Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hello, podcasters. Today, markets are the markets, obviously, but we got a few things to be able to talk about today, which I think a lot of you could find potentially interesting. First off, there's new news on gold that we are going to be talking about today in this podcast. Uh, a startup company, I believe, uh, which is called Level Jump Healthcare, is buying additional 10.44% in a company called Real Time Medical. We're going to be also talking about the U.S. new home sales that are happening in the United States currently. And we're going to end today's podcast today by talking about Boeing, whose shares are currently plunging on recent news due to potential setbacks. With that being said today, guys, before we actually really get into this podcast, I have to remind you that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions. With that being said, let's begin with today talking about gold. Yesterday, it was reported that Swiss gold exports to the United States rocket in March. From London, Swiss, Swiss shipments of gold to the United States surged in March to their highest since May of 2020. Swiss customs data showed as investors spooked by Russians, Russians' invasion of Ukraine and the threat of a global economic slowdown stocked pile up on the uh, bullion. Switzerland exports to Britain, which, like the United States, is a century for gold investment and trading, also rose while shipments of gold to China and India, the biggest consumer markets, fell sharply. Switzerland is, is the world's biggest refining and transit center for gold, an asset typically seen as a safe place to store wealth in times of economic and political turmoil. According to the exchange trade funds, or the ETFs, storing gold for Storing gold for investors added 185 tons, wor tons worth of $15 billion to their stockpile in March, the most since July 2020, according to World Gold Council. Yesterday, with, with gold, though, in particular, gold was trading around 1,900 an ounce on Tuesday. However, today, it's being reported that gold falls back below U.S. 1,900 as the U.S. dollar and bond yield rises. Today, it's being reported that gold fell below 1,900 mark early on Wednesday as the U.S. dollar rose on the fresh multi-year highs and bond yields edged up. I don't know what's going on with gold potentially, but I do know that rich people tend to invest in assets when they believe that the U.S. dollar or just their currency in general is not going to be as strong. I mean, this is why potentially rich people invest in gold, they invest in stocks, they invest in real estate, they invest in painting sometimes. Uh, watches, I believe. Sometimes I've heard that's depending on the brand, obviously. But I mean, rich people continue to invest where they think they can get value in money. And the fact that there was a rise of gold being exported to the United States kind of gives me an idea that rich people are afraid currently 
of losing the value of their dollar due to inflation. Now, like I said, this is pure speculation on my part, but it's just interesting to see that there is more gold being bought because like we had just read with the Swiss gold article, it says here, Swiss exports to mainland China and Hong Kong fell in March to their lowest in a year and shipments to India were the smallest since May of 2021. Exports to Britain were the highest since June of 2021. We still need to keep an eye out for gold potentially. I mean, I personally am not invested in gold, but it's still a good thing to look into because it's just another safe haven potentially if inflation keeps being as bad as we keep reading about. But at the same token, don't know. I mean, as Warren Buffett has put it in the past, gold is just shiny and it's just pretty to look at sometimes. So, but Keep an eye on that for that, guys, because it just seems like gold is on the tr- the uptick right now because there's a lot of spooked investors and gra- guaranteed, well, not guaranteed, but in uncertainty times, gold tends to be a safe haven, which I'm also curious about. We might need to talk about Bitcoin later in this podcast, not today, obviously, but sometime in the future, talk about what's going on with Bitcoin. Moving on to the next subject. Level jumped healthcare buying an additional 10.44% of real-time medical. Level Jump Healthcare Corp., a provider of business-to-business telehealth services, said Tuesday that it has agreed to buy control over an additional 10.44% of real-time medical, Inc. Under the deal, the company is buying all the outstanding shares of, Can- of uh, Canada, Inc., a private uh, Scoia-based uh, federal corporation for about... Oh, about $963,556.56. The 712 is a holding company that is principal asset, being around 1.8 million common shares of real-time medical ink. The deal includes cash of 579918 payable in three installments over four months, and about 2.6 million common shares at a deemed issue price of 15 cents per share. With a total value of $383,638.56. Okay, so this has been a trend recently that at least I personally have noticed with a lot of healthcare companies. They're getting more into telehealth. Obviously, that's what level jump healthcare is. But real-time medical, I actually had to do a little bit more research onto them to figure out what they were. And real-time medical is actually a teleradiology company, meaning that they will potentially send your radiology results to another hospital or doctor's office, right? If you're on a telehealth conference call with them. So I'm curious to know if this is going to be a potential market that we got to pay attention to in the future. I mean, telehealth is the next big thing. Not fully for everyone. I mean, some people still want to go in to go see a doctor. But at the end of the day, people are going to feel feel or do what they want to do is for uh, comfortability. If, if it means going into an office, people are going to go into an office. If people would rather talk to their doctors on online, they're going to talk to their doctors online. And so it's just interesting to see that this might be a trend in the making. I mean been reading a lot, like I said, that a lot of companies are starting to buy telehealth companies. So maybe teleradiology becomes the next thing that they start getting into. Who knows? It's it's just something to think about and observe because this might be a potential trend in the making 
but it's still it, this is still new to me because the other thing too is level jump healthcare is technically a penny stock from what it, from my research on it. And so, I mean, it's not that big of a deal currently, but I just personally found it interesting that they were buying a teleradiology company and they're a telehealth platform. So, but they're buying more into the real, uh, into real time medical, which now with the closing of this deal, they'll have control about 35.99% interest in real time medical. So Level Jump is making some moves, and this might be potential trends to see in the making. Now, on to U.S. home sales from Washington. U.S. new home sales dive in March and prices surge. Now, like we just talked about, this could be potentially just rich people buying into the housing market to keep their dollars nice and strong. But it says here, Sales of new U.S. single-family homes tumbled in March as soaring mortgage rates and prices reduced affordability. But the housing market remains supported by acute shortage of previously owned properties. New home sales plunged 8.6% to a seasonal adjusted annual rate of 762,000 units last month. The Commerce Department said on Tuesday, February sales paced was revised higher to 835,000 units from the previously reported 772,000 units. Sales fell in all four regions. New homes are leading indicator of the housing market as they count as they are counted when a contract is signed and can also offer an early read of the impact of higher mortgage rates on housing demand. Economics polled by Rutgers had uh, forecast new home sales which amount for a small share of US home sales would fall at the rate of 765,000 units. Sales dropped 12.6% on the year on year basis in March. They peaked at the rate of 993,000 units in January of 2021, which was the highest since the end of 2006. The 30-year mixed uh, mixed rate mortgage averaged 5.11% during the week ended April 21st, the highest since April of 2010, and up from 5% in the prior week, according to data from mortgage financial agency, Freddie Mac. I don't. I think this is just an excuse. I mean, they ha- they've barely have raised interest rates, and they haven't even done, it, and they're not supposed to do it until May. Okay. To me, this, like I said, I think this is. I think prices are rising up due to potentially inflation. I mean, there's only so much land there's out there, and there's only so many houses because I think, if I'm not mistaken, building codes play into a, a part of how much a house could potentially be worth based off if they can build in the area or not. So, but the article continues, the Federal Reserve raised its policy interest rates by 25 basis points last month, the first rate hike in more than three years, as the U.S. central bank surge, uh, central banks battle surging inflation. Economic, economists expect the Fed will raise rates by 50 basis points next month and soon start trimming its assets holdings. Now, this is where things get somewhat interesting. The median new house price in March jumped 21.4% from a year ago to about $436,700. Almost all new houses sold last month were above $200,000 price level. Strong house price growth is expected to persist throughout the year and into 2023. There were 407,000 new homes on the market, up from 392,000 units in February. Houses under construction made up 65.5% of the inventory with homes yet to be built, accounting for about 25.8%. Now they're talking about backlogs. The backlog of homes approved 
for construction, but yet to be started is at all time highs as builders struggled with shortages and higher prices for inputs like lumber for framing, as well as cabinets, garage doors, countertops, and appliances. That might be true in a way, but at the same time, I mean, I believe companies are preparing for this stuff ahead of time, but it's still interesting to see how the housing market is shifting. I mean, we talked about this in a podcast a few days ago, which I would advise if you want to learn more to look at past podcasts to be able to hear what I had to say about the housing market then. But it just seems like there's there's going to be a lot of factors in charge with the housing market currently. Inventory shortages in the making, rising inflation, the cost of things to build. I think there might be a slowdown in the housing market soon. And I'm not trying to be doom or gloom situation, but it just doesn't seem like there's going to be potentially a lot of buyers if this is what Wall Street's really worried about of the increased interest rates. But I'm not a financial advisor, like I always say, and I it's just an observation. But I mean, who knows? We'll keep an eye out more on the housing market when things go. But maybe at the same time, maybe I need to talk to someone on this podcast about what's happening in the housing market. Maybe that could give us a better idea of what's happening. But that that's going to take time to get to, but we'll, we'll we'll look keep an eye out more on this so that we can be able to figure out what's going on in the housing market. Now, what I really want to talk about the rest of this time is Boeing. Okay, we just spoke about Boeing about how the seven seven X was going to be delayed until twenty twenty five, and there's now a new report coming out today. Boeing shares plunge on fresh seven 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 X setbacks array of charges. Boeing said on Wednesday it was halting its 77X production through 2023 due to a fresh delay in its entry into service after certification problems and weak demand, with $1.5 billion in added cost for a mini-jumbo program. Shares of the U.S. plane maker fell 11% to $146.62 in early trading, a nearly one-and-a-half-year low. After it posted a quarterly loss and disclosed more than $1.2 billion in charges linked to supplier costs and technical problems on its Air Force One presidential plane, trainer jet, and war in Ukraine. Another dreadful set of results, agency partners analysis Rick Cunningham said in a client note, adding that the general sense of disarray continues and flagging the net debt rose to a new peak of over $45 billion. On the plus side, Boeing said it submitted a certification plan to the U.S. air safety regulators in a step towards resuming deliveries of its 787 Dreamliner halted for nearly a year by inspections and repairs and an industrial headache costing about $5.5 billion. The Twin Isle Dreamliner along with the 737 MAX are vital for the financial health of Boeing, which is trying to bounce back from the successive crisis. So... I've talked about this, the Dreamliner. I really enjoyed being in the Dreamliner uh, when I went on vacation to Japan a few years ago back. It was a very comfortable ride over there. By all means, I mean, their Dreamliner is probably going to be the future of how their planes are going to be. The article, but, but it just seems like they're having issues in that area. It says here later in the article, Boeing also confirmed reports of delay in handling over the, the first 777X jet to 2025 from the previous target in, of late 2023, but said it remained confident in its program. We got to give ourselves the time and freedom to get this right, Calhoun told analysis on the calls after the company posted results. 
Calhoun said the halt in 777-9 production was based on a longer safety certification timeline, a risk reported by Rutgers in February. Here's the thing with Boeing, okay? It says here late, later on that there, Boeing was on track to return to positive cash flow in 2022 as it ramps its deliveries for the 737 MAX cash cow narrowly body aircraft, which travel rebounding from the pandemic. Here's the thing, okay? To me... Boeing currently right now has got a lot of issues, okay? At least when it comes to, not for the production side of things, I think it's a management side because it just seems like there's a lot of excuses right now from Boeing because here's another article from CNBC reporting. Boeing post lost as it grapples with delays on commercial and defense programs. That's the thing. We didn't even mention the defense program in the first article that we were talking about. Says here, Boeing reported a wider adjustment quarter loss and lower revenue than analysts expected as the company faced higher costs on both commercial and defense aircrafts and charges tied with the war in Ukraine. Now, the war in Ukraine one is interesting because they actually quote and says the company recorded a host of charges, including a 212 million pre-tax tied to the Ukraine war. It is also reported a 660 million charge on delays and higher costs for the Air Force One program and a 367 million on the T7A Red Hawk program. Obviously, the other thing too, the paragraph above that, the company posted a net loss of 1.2 billion in the first quarter, right? Um, wider than the 561 million loss it posted a year earlier. I want to know what this 212 million pre-tax is tied to for the Ukraine war. I mean, I personally never thought that Boeing would be getting stuff from the Ukraine, but what is this 212 million pre-tax tied to the uh, for the Ukraine war? And obviously Air Force One is something that they just mentioned. And so I had to look into that as well. And according to the Independent currently right now, they're reporting that Boeing CEO says it should have refused Trump's Air Force One deal that has cost it $660 million. Boeing CEO says the company should have refused Donald Trump's Air Force One deal that has so far cost it $660 million to build two presidential airplanes. Dave Calhoun spoke frankly about the company's huge loss on converting two 747 airlines for the White House on a quarterly earnings call on Wednesday. Air Force One is going to call a very unique moment, a very unique negotiation, a very unique set of risks that Boeing probably shouldn't have taken, Calhoun said. But we are where we are, and we're going to deliver great airplanes. Like I said, I think the CEO of Boeing is just making a lot of excuses. I think it has to do with management currently right now. And obviously, the stock price might be reflecting, and I might be totally right, or I might be totally wrong. I don't know at this time. I personally don't work for Boeing. I just observe things that are happening and just continue to read articles about what is happening in the market. And obviously I get to tell it to you guys, but it just, a lot of these articles right now that I'm finding about Boeing, they just keep talking. It just seems like there's a lot of excuses in the company. Now, here's the question at the end of the day that needs to be asked. Calhoun, the CEO took over for Boeing, I believe after the incidents had taken uh, the, the two airplane crashes that happened overseas. And I think it was 2020. Okay. Now, granted, we can probably give him an excuse for what happened for the pandemic. That's, that's excusable. 
and if and if he wants to use the Ukraine one, okay, so be it. I mean, two hundred and twelve prepay tax. Okay, that that that's that's another thing too. But what has Boeing really been doing these last few years? I mean, they've already cut their dividend. They're not. I don't think they're buying back shares currently in the company. So the question becomes: At the end of the day, is is it really a a problem with them building things? Is it the problem with the U.S. Um, air, air 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 aviation program where they're not getting their paperwork that they need, or is it mismanagement at the top, or is it mismanagement throughout the company? I don't know currently. I personally think it's a management problem. And to be honest, I would probably stay away from Boeing for at least a little bit while, maybe a couple more quarters to see how things are going. But at the end of the day, it just seems like there's a lot more excuses than results. But that's just my opinion at the end of the day, because even CNN Business is saying that, like I said, Boeing's attribute much as delay to a longer certification process by the Federal Aviation Administration in the past. I feel like Boeing in the past, especially for how long Boeing has probably been working with this group of people, they should know that things take time. I mean, even for instance, like if you've been following a company like Nightscope, like I have been following, they've said that it's taking two years just to get a background check just to sell their robots currently to the U.S. government, okay? So I think these are just excuses from Boeing currently. I mean, I still think Boeing can be a really good company because there's only technically five companies across the world that build airplanes. Obviously, you're not going to get the Russian one to make you money currently because there's a bunch of sanctions on Russia. The one in Brazil, I believe, is owned by Boeing for the most part. There's obviously Boeing, there's Airbus, and then there's the China one. So at the end of the day, you're potentially going to make money off of Boeing. Maybe this is a buying opportunity into Boeing stock. I don't know. I mean, I can't give you guys financial advice, but it is something to think about. I personally think right now, though, that the if I'm going to possibly stay away from Boeing for the time being and just observe what's happening at Boeing. Because in time, the CEOs in time reveal what they really focus on. And at the end of the day, you'll know real quickly, maybe within the next year or two, maybe in the next few quarters, if Boeing's on the right track to make money. I mean, in the long run, they will make money no matter what, because there's only five companies that build planes currently. And we've talked about, too, how they have a backlog of orders. But at the end of the day, pay attention to what the CEO does at Boeing and what their management does as well, because that could determine whether or not the company is going to be profitable anytime soon. But that's just my two cents. So with that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to be able to learn more about what's happening in the market that Wall Street's not always willing to talk about on their TV channels. With that being said, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, I ask that you please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends and family so that we can continue to grow this podcast and be able to keep talking about events that are happening in the market. With that being said today, guys, Thank you so much for taking time to listen. Thank you and goodbye.